Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. You're reading to us from The Truth this week, Colin. This is your new translation of the New Testament. Uh, It's just literally been published in the last few days. And you're explaining yesterday why you have taken the trouble to do this massive piece of work. Yes, I explained it was really in obedience to what I believe God was telling me to do and how this is to be somewhere in between the two extremes, on on the one hand, just a literal word-by-word translation from the Greek to the English, and at the other extreme, uh, a very interpretative um, uh, sort of uh, paraphrase of the scriptures. They have their place. The word-by-word accurate translations have their place. But in the middle, I believe God was saying he wanted a translation that was not done by an academic, but by a preacher who could draw out the meaning of the text. As you were working uh, away on this, Colin, immersed in it, did you have any surprises, anything that really hit you afresh? Uh, Well, first of all, my Greek was very rusty, so (laughs) (laughs) I got brushed up quite a bit. Yes, of course, there are different styles of the Greek. And in some books, the Greek is a lot more complicated than it is in other books. John is nice and easy um, because he was, you know, a a fisherman and he he did right himself. Uh, Paul is a lot more uh, complex because he was an intellectual. And then you have Peter. Now, Peter's first letter and his second letter are very different in style because he didn't write himself. He dictated. And obviously, he dictated to two different people. So the style of what he's saying is, is somewhat different in, in the two letters. So there's, there's all those kind of, of differences. Um, but some, some passages are a lot more difficult to draw out the meaning. Uh, I think perhaps the most difficult of all was Colossians because the, the uh, line of thought is so, um, well, it's fairly complex, but but it's also very, very concentrated. Paul is saying so much, rather rather similar to Ephesians, but Ephesians is actually easier to translate than Colossians. That's what I found. Because Colossians, there is so much that actually requires some explanation for people to understand it. it it's as if Paul is is covering such a wide spectrum of thought within just a few verses. And actually, you want to keep the reader with you in understanding really what Paul is saying. So there were lots of challenges like that. It wasn't just a question of sitting down and sort of writing something off. Um, some, Some passages really had to pray over and say, well, Lord, how can I really put this across in the way that you want. So some days it was just a few words that got translated, other days it was maybe a chapter or two. Well, yes, I mean, uh, there were some some passages that you come back to again and again, and you say, can I improve on that? Probably the most difficult verse I found uh, to be accurate is where Jesus says, um, that I give you authority 
Uh, you you have authority to bind on earth what is bound in heaven and to <clears throat> what word do you use to translate the Greek there? Loose is the usual word. What the Greek actually means is to unbind. Um, so if a thing is bound, is prevented in heaven, you can prevent it on earth. If it is unbound, if God in heaven has done what is necessary to loose, to release, to unbind, I use the word liberate. Mm -hmm. So you can liberate on earth whatever God has liberated in heaven. Um, but, you know, there are, there are sort of complexities like that where you really have to tease and and I don't know how many times I translated that verse and talked to others and and said, well, you know, how how does this come across? Does it really get the meaning of of what Jesus is saying? So it was a very interesting uh, uh, exercise to have to do. So I'm going to read now, and I'm going to continue the reading I started yesterday from Romans chapter 5, and we're picking it up at verse 12. Understand then that sin entered the world through one man, and the consequence of that sin is death. All will die because all have sinned. Sin existed long before God gave the law to his people. If there had been no law, then men would not be aware of what God regarded as sinful. From Adam to the time of Moses, death reigned because people were living in sin through ignorance, not because they were deliberately disobeying God's commands. Adam was guilty of doing this, and everyone else followed him in doing what they wanted. Yet God was awaiting the time when he would undo Adam's sin by sending his own son. Many died because of one man, Adam. Now, through the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, God's grace flows to many, and we can receive his gift of eternal life. One man brought sin and death, Another man brought forgiveness and eternal life for all who believe in Jesus Christ. One man's sin brought judgment and condemnation. God's gift is entirely different in its consequences. Despite all our sin, his gift has restored us to a relationship of righteousness and total acceptance with him. Through the sin of one man, death reigned for all through that man. Now consider the contrast. Those who receive this wonderful grace that God has supplied and the gift of righteousness he imparts to those who believe in him are able to share in his kingdom now here on earth. We can share in the reign of the one man, Jesus Christ, yes, even in this present life. One man's sin led to condemnation for all mankind. Yet one act of righteousness, the sacrifice of God's perfect Son, has brought about more than acceptance. He has made his own life available to everyone who believes. Through one man's disobedience, many became sinners. 
Through one man's obedience, many are made righteous and totally acceptable in God's sight. So why was the law given? In order that men would know clearly what was sinful and their sense of guilt would increase. Only then would they see their need of the grace that God made available to deliver them from the consequences of their guilt. And God's grace is so much greater than our sin. Because of that grace, sin no longer reigns in our lives, resulting in spiritual death. Now, grace reigns in us instead because of God's gift of acceptance that makes us able to receive the gift of eternal life made possible through Jesus Christ our Lord. What can we say in the face of such wonderful love and grace? Shall we continue to sin so that God will be even more gracious to us? Certainly not. What a suggestion! We have died to sin. So, can we continue to live in ways that displease God? Surely you understand that all of us who have been baptized live now in Christ Jesus. Through our baptism, we were made one with His death. Our old sinful lives were even buried with Him. You were made one with His death and burial so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the power of God's glory, you are now one with Him in His risen life. It is simple. If we have been united with Him in His death, we shall also certainly share in His resurrection. You can be sure that your old self lived outside of Christ, was crucified with Him, freeing you from the control of sin. Now you are no longer a slave to sin, for your death on the cross freed you from your sinful nature. Now, because we died with Christ, we believe we will continue to live with Him. Listen, it is clear that because Christ was raised from the dead, it is not possible for Him ever to die. Death can have absolutely no influence or control over Him. He only needed to die once, and when He did so, He dealt with the power of sin once and for all. Now He lives to reveal the truth of God and His amazing grace. In a similar way, Realize that you can consider yourself to have died to sin, but that you are now raised to an entirely new life that you can enjoy through your unity with Christ as you live for God's glory. So do not allow sin to reign in you now, no matter how much your body may sometimes crave for self-indulgence. Do not obey such evil desires. Do not use the parts of your body for sinful purposes. Do not let them be instruments of sin. No, offer yourselves wholeheartedly to God as those who have been carried through death into a new life. Then you will offer the parts of your body to God for His purposes. They will be instruments for doing what is right. Sin is not your master any longer. Neither do you live under religious laws but in the grace that God has supplied for you. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 